Welcome to the first pitch, the only podcast that'll fry your damn dick off from three feet below. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this time we're covering season two, episode six of House of Cards. Chapter, Chapter 19. 19. Uh, this is this. There's a lot of stuff going on in this episode. As as is ninety percent of the time on House of Cards. Yeah, yeah. Some episodes will be like focused on a couple of plot points. This yeah. one's all over the board. This right. is every character we've ever seen from the show back again, uh, doing up to no good. Yeah, some some, car, some some episodes are like euchre, where you get rid of like half the cards. Uh huh. So, some episodes you get the full fifty-two card pickup that you got to try to assemble. This is one of the latter. Definitely. Uh, where do you want to start in this episode? What's what's the most interesting plot line in this for you? where this lucas thing is going uh, ugh, really um lucas lucas is interesting to you now it's not interesting i just i know they're not done with him okay i can buy that and but i also don't see any any way forward unless you know rachel or Kapiniak get involved which they have to they have to yeah i mean it seems like the only people who can carry on lucas fight now are janine and maybe the hammer though i believe the hammer doesn't really uh doesn't really believe a lot of stuff that lucas is saying really because it's interesting because when the hammer showed him prison i was like oh <laughs> this is gonna be good uh-huh. and uh you know we joked about the front like as they were having dialogue back and forth we were joking like the hammer saying when i write this piece they're going to put you away for 100 years <laughs> uh-huh. in those prisons they do exposés on in MSNBC. <laughs> want to stick you in a cell block that's got a permanent race war going on and <laughs> Jeez. unlimited supply. Uh, so, okay. The thing is, I thought they were setting us up to where Hammerschmidt or whatever his name is, mm, the, the Hammerschlammer, yep. um, was, I thought, very sympathetic to – lucas i think he is but and once the, he visits frank eh. well but for, i mean that's the other thing when doug said when he met, had met a meeting with doug's like well the only thing we got to do is a head-on war i'm like that's how is how is any course of action not worse than dealing with the the um than, than dealing with the hammer but i thought he was going to go there and basically try to threaten intimidate them yeah, yeah. what he did was he just played the this guy's crazy card sure and it worked i think flawlessly i don't think i don't think hammerschmidt bought it though i think he wrote the story that was there the story he and had to write, if yeah. he found if he had found rachel or he found kapiniak it would have been a whole different ball game i think you're right about that but now that he's written that story where does that leave him no cuz like you know they're their aim was to take away his hope, and that's what they did. They, yeah, and, and that's the other thing. The FBI agents, again, laughably evil, going in on Janine. Oh, yeah. Oh, a shame if something happened to your mother, and <laughs> we could arrest dog. you for cyber terrorism. And like, you guys don't have <laughs> shit. And that classic, yeah. Uh, well, you're, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to charge you with something if you talk to a lawyer. Bullshit. Yep. If a cop ever says that, they're going to charge you anyway, pal. 
you might as well lawyer up and not give him any more ammunition. Yeah, yeah. You have a much better chance if you have a lawyer. Uh, that's a long-standing bald move uh, tradition. So <laughs> definitely, um, or standard standing uh, operating order, general order, bald move, general order. Yeah, yeah every general. time I get arrested, I call a lawyer every immediately. fucking time. I've got every them on time. speed dial. <laughs> it's like they're nine one two, nine one one. You call the cops. Nine one two. You call the lawyers. Um, so, but that dovetails into another thing that I'm kind of really worried about, which is Doug getting involved with Rachel. Okay, sure. That's uh, something to be worried about, I think. We open up at the episode where Rachel just looks like she hates life. She doesn't have – she can't run the air conditioning because we find out there's an energy crisis. Yep. Um, I, I, You know, I think that this story would be less compelling if Rachel just was, like, really into the internet. Because <laughs> that's kind of my dream that someone would, for whatever reason, some benefactor, some rich Arab sheik, <laughs> would would set me up in a life where I could just sit in a room uh-huh. and roam free on the internet hmm, like a giant okay. grazing cow all day long. <laughs> and just, that's what you would be. Just at learning that point. stuff. I want to play a game. Want to do a podcast. It's just you know, it's like I would do the bare minimum amount of exercise and self care and eating <laughs> to 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 sustain this husk. Oh God. It's like, have you ever read the Ring World series? Two months into that, I would be horrified to step into your apartment. No, I, like I said, I want to live as long as I can with this sweet setup. So it's like, have you ever read the Ring World okay. series? No, I haven't. It's a guy named Louis Wu where um, uh, they've invented this device that has, uh, sends electricity right into your pleasure center of your brain. Okay. And people get addicted to it. Sure, I'm on and board. And then they turn into like heroin addicts. His philosophy was... He got up and, like, rigorously exercised for an hour a day, ate this completely balanced protein diet and whatever, and he was in perfect health. Okay. So he could spend the other 23 hours just directly plugged in his pleasure machine for as long as he could, could live. Sure. That makes that a lot of sense. That would be my strategy. Okay. So and in it, this scenario, the pleasure machine is the internet. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what else would you call it? Uh, so anyway, if, if if Rachel was like me, Doug Stamper wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> okay. That long segue of, was about that. Um, gotcha. And, and he just, again, he's a little cartoonish here because he's like, you can't go out and meet people. You can't go to a Bible school. You can't. And which the shame of that looks like she really belongs in a setting like. Yeah, yeah. A teacher or... Or she has some sort of support network, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's it's unrealistic, at the very least, to expect her to live the way she has been living for how long? Indefinitely? Just the rest of her life? Uh, right. I mean, With no... I mean, a human being can endure almost anything if there's an expiration date at the end of it. Sure, at sure. Least that's been my experience. Yeah. But when it's just open-ended and n- f- forget, um, like, actively bad, if it's just, like, uncomfortable or boring... Yeah. You can't uh, – a, t- a human being can't abide that. Yeah. I mean she's going to get cabin fever if she stays in that apartment too long. Yeah. You can't – I mean you have to use coercion or punishment or torture or something to keep a human being in that state. And she makes a good point with Stamper. Like, okay, Lucas has now gone to the loony bin. He's in prison. Nobody takes him seriously. Isn't this over? No. Well, Shouldn't that's... I be able to you know, live a decent life? That's the problem no. because if she – uh, I think I think the hammer and probably Janine even uh, mm-hmm. will probably keep their ear to the ground. And if they ever find where she's gone to, it, that's going to reopen this investigation all over again. Yeah, you got to get her off the East Coast. I mean, she's got to be 
somewhere very far away where they can't accidentally stumble into yeah. the church that she goes Although to. Although know? that's the whole trick because um, they discussed this like three episodes ago. They, they're keeping her, you know, far enough away that she's not going to run into old friends and family, probably. Mm-hmm. But close enough that they can keep tabs on her to make sure she's not going rogue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't know why... It seems like there's a bigger threat of her going rogue if she is boxed up like this um, by Stamper because she'll just come to resent him. Well, well, she, what's interesting is that sexual advance she made towards him at the end yeah, yeah. because I think she's got this theory that he's doing this because, you know, he wants her. Uh-huh. And I think there's definitely a layer of that, a creepy little layer of that, but he also has to do this for very pragmatic reasons too. Sure. And... That is kind of an interesting tension. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm kind of interested to see where Stamper and Rachel go, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, if they do hook up, I don't know what that relationship looks like. Because right. it's very clear that Stamper is manipulative uh, and intimidating and dangerous yeah it's kind of that's why like a lot of people said that like big love is a really good show but i've never been able to get into it because it just feels like that relationship is a um a fundamentally exploitative one huh yeah it's like if they do seal the deal here or involve a relationship it's going to be you know i don't know what you would call that like a pimp prostitute type relationship <laughs> that might be fitting here or like you know it's 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 it he's already struck her and put his hands on her so they're already in yeah. a, they're already in a relationship with domestic violence yeah it's certainly abusive it, yeah so i ugh, i don't know all right well we've talked far too much about them they're a minor plot point here um so what did you think before we move on what the hell was with her bible story at the end i don't know I really don't know. Something about watering a lamb and uh, having a king baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> couldn't tell you. Is she trying to say that Stamper and her should have a baby and then be raised to one day uh, combat Frank Emperor, God Emperor for life? But by the time that baby is old enough to do anything to Frank, Frank will be dead. No, man. Frank is going to never. He's going to abolish An hour a day and the internet. That's right. He's going to be perfectly preserved. He's going to sleep in a hyperbaric chamber. Um, I don't know. Uh, just a, But, yeah, it's like that's clearly not going to happen. So what the yeah. hell? Or is she just saying that, hey, I think I'm meant for bigger things and I want to have a family and who knows what can come from that. But how does that involve seducing Stamper? I don't know. I mean, she says she figures out who Rachel is. And, and to me that says she figures out who she is. Um, she's, but the, I, I, she's, she's Rachel. She's the right? mother of a King, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, B- but I don't know where that goes from here. Mm. So, uh, well, we might find out more anyway. Let's talk about another kind of minor point, uh, plot point here, which is Claire, Christina and the first lady. Ooh. Uh, good minor, but good. Um, Claire is, Seemingly actively working against the first lady here by trying to get Christina to get more engaged with her and 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 insinuating things about the president's relationship with her. Well, I think this is an overall I mean, her and Francis want most of all to ingratiate themselves with the president and have them 
replace the tusks as their confi- confidants and inner yeah, circle yeah. to make them even more easily. Redi- I mean, President's not easy enough to manipulate. He wants it like, <laughs> you know, Ratatouille style. He's jerking on his hair and just moving like a puppet. Uh-huh. Um, so to that end, I think that she's basically winning the first lady's trust by turning her on to a snake in the grass. Okay. And I don't even know. After this episode, I'm not even sure if Christina is fucking the president. I don't think she is yet. Um, that that may happen later, but right now I think it's just a professional relationship, right? And she works very closely with the guy, right? And you know, after dealing with Pete Russo for how many years, <laughs> and what a up and down roller coaster, maybe a bland, boring, uh, kind of dumbass. <laughs> the necessary powerful and important is is a step up and she's just thrilled you know if you've been in a bad job or work for a boss who's like crazy uh-huh. and then if you just go and get like a just average boss who doesn't do anything special it's like you're just so much happier i think that might be what it is could be could definitely be uh but yeah claire is being very passive aggressive with uh the first lady so and it's paying off because uh, it was already a bad idea to send Christina to kind of try to butter up the first lady, but the way she did it and everything that she phrased, yeah, well, you could just see the first lady getting pissed and pissed and more <laughs> suspicious with every word she said. Yeah. It was glorious. I'm looking forward to working beneath your husband. Yeah, <laughs> anything, anything I can do. Yeah, I will do it as deep and hard as it as it needs to be done. <laughs> Okay, she didn't go quite that far. Well, I don't know. We'd have to, I'd have to watch the episode again to be sure. All right, now what do you want to talk about? The main event, the energy crisis. Okay, let's do it. The main. This is so. This Wait, there's is, still some other stuff. Let's talk about. Let's dance around it a little bit. Remy and Jackie are banging now. Uh, he was. They banged. You know, he once. was doing a cover flirt with the with the waitress yeah. at the bar, obviously trying to get into Jackie's pants. Yeah, uh, and, and it worked. They they both got a little too drunk, and boom. Yeah, do you think it's going to be a repeat thing? I think it's going to happen again. The look on Remy's face tells me he wants it to happen again. Well, and the look on yeah, and the look on her face when she's in the car ride afterward was pretty wistful. And how can I make that happen again? <laughs> okay, so I I kind of agree that yes, and what because Frank wanted Jackie to be his girl, his woman. And Remy, I, I, do you think that some of this is calculation to just, you know, do whatever he can to get uh, a, a voice in, in the house again? You know, it could be. Um, because Frank is, is his enemy at this point because he's back Tusk and yes. Frank's got to go to war with Tusk. He's also, however, his mentor, or at least he used to be. I think that and works he learned, against him. Well, I, I'm just saying he learned a lot ah. from Frank. And that I would not put it past him to do something like that. At the beginning of the series, maybe not. I also think it now, lampshaded yes. a little bit with Jackie said, oh, you're Frank, you're Frank's intern? That explains a lot. Sure. Like, even that she may, might in the back of her mind be thinking about what he's wanting out of this beyond uh, the goodies, the cookies. Yeah, could be. Um, okay, so are we ready to get into the main course yet? No, one more thing. God Stamp- damn it. Stamper and the FBI agent. Uh, they're, they're, that's I don't, Lucas and we've already put that plot line of, I refuse to open up that, but, plot but it's line not again. Lucas. So they're after Gavin Orsay actually. Right. And they want to give Lucas up as the, fe- as like some sort of appeasement. I, I think it's to the one DA. of the, uh, assistant attorney generals, maybe that okay. is yeah, what's, yeah. what's her name? Ward. I don't know her name. I, I believe she might be the one that was 
um, trying to take get Lucas to take the deal in the first scene. Yeah, but she's really hot for Gavin. That's who yes. she's after. Yes, she's hot for. Uh, but they don't want to give him up because he's an informant. He's an informant that they're use, trying to use to take down like an international cyber terrorist. AV unit. Yeah. AV unit. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make sure that that was clear from the one scene that we got of that. Yep. All right. How about that Tusk versus Frank uh, and the energy crisis? Kind of surprised this is more or less a warmed over Enron story. <laughs> okay. Um, which has been, that's been a while ago now. Sure. Surprisingly. I'm getting old. Um <laughs> Base, so the broad strokes here, it's the same damn thing. Um, Tusk wants the refinery yeah. so he can make his nuclear energy options profitable. Frank, and he's using he, – they're, they're colluding to have this – with using this heat wave and they're colluding fixing their energy prices to cause a bunch of civil unrest and to put pressure on the government to make up with China and get this to happen. Yeah, Frank finds a third way, which is to use back channels and third parties to buy up this serain- sumer- sumerium or unobtainium, um, yeah. and then uh, buy it as a stockpile, kind of like what we did uh-huh. with uh, helium in World War II, and then sell off at a discount to the people making energy. Yeah, effectively subsidies for nuclear energy. Would you think? They would be, and I for a long time like, why is Tusk fighting so hard for this? But but as, it does make sense. And and Remy said this is like a band aid that keeps us starving. Sure, like sure. we bear some we're kind of in the black, kind of in the red. The long term solution is this damn refinery. It's the only thing that'll keep us in the black permanently, and it'll be a permanent solution. Yeah, so, Frank doesn't want that because he doesn't want Tusk to get his channels back with the president. Right, like he has boxed Tusk out. That's exactly what he wanted. Uh, if they start talking again, he could be in trouble. Right. And the other thing is if he gives Tusk everything he wants, he loses every lever- all leverage he, he has against him. Right now, yeah. he's got power sure. because Tusk needs something that, that, he wa- that he can give. Yeah, so Tusk decides, I'm not going to accept the subsidies. Instead, uh, I'm going to keep pushing for this. And so Frank is forced to uh, threaten him with FERC action, I guess, a FERC inspection the Federal um, Energy Regulatory Committee. Yes, and they've got that the power. Thing. It'd be like, they got the power to go in and investigate and open up their books and call hearings and yeah. all that good stuff. Just generally create chaos in his uh, business world mm-hmm. and possibly find something that he doesn't know about. And Tusk, for his part, is doing his damnedest to embarrass the president with blackouts. Oh and- yeah. Raising energy prices. And yeah, embarrass the president, but he saved Frank yeah, from embarrassment himself. That was an interesting <laughs> – that was interesting because I think uh, – I don't know. I don't know why Tusk did that. If I – it would have been funnier to do it right after he threw out the punch, get maximum embarrassment. I don't know that you have yeah, that, kind, that of kind of control over yeah. the timing of a like, blackout. Like he's like Monty Burns with his hands on the switch just <laughs> yeah. waiting to plunge Springfield in the darkness. Like he's watching this live on the phone Excellent. with the power plant guy. Yeah, yeah. He's about to throw. Now, <laughs> mid-throw, I want you to hit that switch. Can we talk? Kevin Spacey throws oh exactly God. like you think Kevin Spacey would throw. <laughs> He throws a baseball to the plate the way a person would throw a wadded-up ball of paper into a trash can from three feet. Uh-huh. It's like the worst throwing motion. No shoulder rotation. He complains later about the lack of shoulder rotation from the, vel- from the, yeah, yeah. From the vest. 
No, no, you never had any to begin with. You That's could, the problem. You could throw, cast him into a cement vest, <laughs> and it wouldn't do anything to his range of motion. Yeah, he's all wrist. None. He throws with the elbow and wrist. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Um, that was pretty funny. Uh, also, another weird thing I noticed in this episode, the Oval Office, how do you hang a picture in there without it looking bizarre? I don't think you can. Because the curved walls just make everything look totally unstraight. It's like trying to piss in a corner of the Oval Office. <laughs> you just can't do it. Best you can do is a door jam. Curved pictures. Curved pictures. Curved picture frames. That's what they need. Hmm. You'd think, you know, with all the Oval Offices in the world, there'd be an industry for that. <laughs> all of them. Um, so we're getting a little sidetracked here. Yeah, yeah. One other thing I want to mention is uh, Tusk's first power play was meeting uh, Frank at Freddy's. That, that wasn't his first one, the, the well, power outage was. Well, when he actually kind of lowered the boom and thought he'd won. Yeah, okay. Um, and now, increasingly, it seems like Frank is is reasserting his control. Uh, Tusk got ultimately disrespected because he showed up at Freddy's, and he asked Freddy, "Can I get? Or do you have any iced tea? And he goes, nope, as he's sipping on iced tea. And Frank has got a giant glass of iced tea in front of him. Yeah, it's that was awesome. Oh, Freddy. Freddy's a classic, Freddy, man. He, Freddy delivers. Yeah, this episode is all about Freddy, in my opinion. Literally and metaphorically, he delivers. Um, and the other thing is, I like how Frank called Tusk on his bullshit, bullshit about this partnership. Yeah, like, yeah, what partnership? It's always been one-sided. You want me to help you, and you do nothing to help me. Um, yeah, it's disguised. You, you, yeah, it's like you you tapped me for the vice presidency, but I after that I had no need for you because you didn't bring me into the inner circle. You didn't help me with the relationship with the president. You try to subvert me at every step, so fuck you, and I'm going to win because you got the money. I got all the guns. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great line too. There's there's an equally good scene um, when Tusk goes to visit Frank at his house, uh, and they're, they're they're Frank is trying to act like it's not personal, but Tusk knows better, right? right. Uh, Frank is purposely sabotaging him to keep him away from the president, and just just the scene of two very very powerful people in their own realms duking it out. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that. I love in House of Cards. Yeah. The, the the power plays. The political badassery. Yeah, yeah. And and Frank really does have the upper hand here. It's it's basically impossible for Tusk to accomplish what he wants to accomplish because Frank is in his way every step. Well what's funny is uh if Tusk would just humble himself, mm, he yeah. could make all this go away. That doesn't seem like who Tusk is. No, it's not, but <laughs> Frank needs to, you know, wants to break him. I think that he and Frank would get along if Tusk would just, I don't know. I, it's like, who's more at fault for why this thing's all falling apart? I would say Frank. Really? Yeah, because the relationship that Tusk had with the president was fine until Frank got aspirations of being the vice president. Um, and then, you know. Everything that happened between them ensued. I don't know. The relationship between President and Tusk seems very manipulative to me. So if – I don't know. Tusk is the one who offered this cooperative deal um, when he gave him the vice presidential nod. Uh, and again, I feel like Frank is the one sabotaging that. Yeah, but again – It's not – I agree. It's not mutually beneficial, but it could be, and Frank won't let it be that. Uh, how would it be mutually beneficial to Frank? What would Tusk give Frank? I don't know exactly what he could give him, there but Tusk go. is a very powerful man in his own right, and I think working together 
they could do a lot more than working against each other. Mm. And Frank is Frank is the one pushing all of this negative energy towards Tusk. I don't know. I thought that he did a good job at Freddy's laying out. I kind of felt that way too, but then when I heard him speak at Freddy's, I thought he did a very good job of putting out the case that Tusk is the one who started shit first. How that, did he do that, though? Well, I mean, again, our first, the very first meeting he had where Frank was trying to be supportive. And, you know, we we're kind of like, wait, is he throwing Kathy under bus? As soon as that meeting was over, the first thing Tusk did is, hey, let's go and get lunch, Mr. President. And the next time he talks to the president, the president has completely changed his mind. So hmm, he fucked okay. Frank over there, and Frank's like, okay. And then Frank then, did the same thing to him. When he did, <laughs> when they did that spot, Spotsylvania, which that's a crazy-ass town name. Uh-huh. But the, the whole Spotsylvania thing was Tusk trying to undermine uh, – just from the very setup, he picked his guy in China to go there. And was feeding him information and um, lying to the president. Everything that Frank was doing, same thing. But it's like, I don't know. I just feel like maybe he did start it. Okay. Fair enough. And again, the big core, the big thing to me is that it's it, Tusk's greed is his biggest weakness. Because he should have seen this coming with Frank, but he was so hot for this, react, this uh, refinery deal that yeah. he let his greed and his desire for that blind him to uh, what he was really dealing with. Yeah, it's really weird. Plus, Tusk, plus uh, Frank's just cooler, so fuck Tusk. <laughs> Tusk to me is – he is certainly a greedy guy, but I don't think his greed is necessarily for money. I mean the stuff that we heard about him uh, – yeah, yes, he's super rich, but he wants to preserve this thing that he's built. Uh, and I, I feel like his – Greed is somewhat for his legacy and for his personal satisfaction. I get as it. As far as having built this empire, you know? But, I mean... It's, it's still greed, certainly. Right. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, the thing is, is, is money or power. And I thought, in the end of last season, that maybe Frank had met somebody that was the exception approved to rule. Mm-hmm. But Frank just needed more power. And ultimately... The most, the richest businessman in the United States can't do shit, or any, pretty much the world can't do shit uh, when you're dealing with the executive branch of the United States government. Yeah, because the they guy with all the guns. And if 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 it doesn't matter if you're Lucas or if you're a Tusk or you're a Fang, they will just fucking crush you if you are a big enough problem. And the only way sure. you can save yourself from that is to engage with the people who can oust you out of office, mm-hmm. which is a slow. Patient, painful process. Other than that, you're fucked. <laughs> they you need to get Spinella them. back in the mix, man. <laughs> get some protests going on. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> Throw uh, some bricks. Yeah, Come on. get some foam rubber bricks going. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, did we cover everything? I think so. All right. So that's it for our instant take, but starting next week, we'll be doing a longer, more in-depth weekly cast for House of Cards. Be sure to send us your thoughts and feedback to houseofcards at baldmove.com, and we just might read it on air. If you've enjoyed our show, please help us get our new House of Cards podcast launched in style by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate link when you shop online. Just go to amazon.baldmove.com, and we'll get a tiny cut of Amazon's profits from whatever you buy on that session. Best of all, it costs you nothing. Be sure to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about Bald Move. 
Also, check out our website for all our other television coverage for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Downton Abbey, and all of our general pop culture casts like Personal Arrogance and The Because Show. Keep up with the latest on Twitter at Bald Move and on Facebook.com slash Bald Move. See you next episode. Thank you.